Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Schweitzer today. Wherever you're at, we're really glad you're here to worship with us today. I'm Jim, and I serve as a pastor and a host for this experience. Again, really good to be with you. If you're a guest, really excited to have you with us. Thanks for being here. We want you to know we have a gift for you. And to get that gift out to you right away, it's a Starbucks digital gift card. Enjoy some brew on us. Just simply check in with us and we'll get that out to you right away. Thanks for doing that. Today, we're really excited to continue the series, God Our Refuge, as Pastor Spencer will lead us through the scripture. It's Psalm 46, 11 verses of really deep meaning. It's rich and really reveals God's character. Again, Spencer will lead us and God has a message for us all today. If you'd like to go deeper into the sermon, we invite you to do that. We have a link. It's schweitzer.church next. There's sermon discussion questions there and so much more. It's great ways to connect. Uh, you'll enjoy it, so we encourage you to do that. And now, uh, this day, let's, uh, let's hear from Stephanie that's gonna tell us more about what's going on here at Schweitzer. Hi, I'm Stephanie. Next Sunday on May 22nd, we'll be honoring Jim Mason, Mary Decker, and Jane Rebke between our services as they head into retirement. We'll have special snacks and a place where you can drop off a card to recognize their significant contributions to our Schweitzer family. Also on this Sunday, we'll be recognizing our graduates. If you're a high school or college graduate or know somebody that we can honor, please contact Sheila Pippen or head to schweitzer.church next to share those details with us. Coming up on Wednesday, May 18th, our Schweitzer prayer team is hosting a very special prayer service right here in the sanctuary at 6 p.m. This service is open to our whole Schweitzer family, but we're specifically inviting parents and graduates to attend this service during this very special season of celebration and change. We are all excited to celebrate our graduates and we hope to see you there. Now I'm gonna pass this off to Levi to talk to you a little bit about student camps. What's up y'all? I'm Levi, here to talk to you a little bit about what we got going on in the student ministry this summer. Uh, in the month of June, we have CIY, which stands for Christ in Youth. It's like summer camp, but a whole lot more. At the beginning of the month, our high school session is gonna be June 5th through 9th in Joplin. Um, and at the end of the month, our middle school session is going to be June 27th through 30th in Bolivar. CIY is a great opportunity for our students to learn and grow together, as well as have a whole lot of fun. Next up on the agenda, we have Camp Barnabas, July 23rd through the 29th. It's like camp and a mission trip all rolled into one. During that week, our students will have the opportunity to serve alongside some campers with special needs sent from all over the country right here in the Ozarks. Both of these experiences are gonna be a whole lot of fun and a great opportunity for your student to build relationships with other students and with God. You can sign up today at schweitzer.church students, and you can sign up for either or both of those camps. And here's the deal. If finances are the only thing keeping your student from going to either or both of these camps, please let me know. We have plenty of scholarships because we think it's so important that whoever wants to go to these camps has the opportunity to do so. We're so excited for this summer and everything we have planned. Thank you so much for your generosity because it makes ministries like this possible. Thanks, Levi. 
So if we have you thinking about camping now, don't forget about our Schweitzer Outdoor Adventure coming up on June 3rd through the 5th at Discovery Ministries in Eminence, Missouri. You'll want to sign up by May 15th, and we would love to see you there. As you know, there are just too many announcements to fit into one announcement video every week. So don't forget about heading over to schweitzer.church next and signing up for our e-news. That way you don't miss out on any of the great stuff happening around here. So glad you are here today. Let's continue with our morning of worship. Thanks so much, Stephanie. We really appreciate you. If you're worshiping with us live today, we invite you to engage. There's a chat feature on your screen. Go ahead and uh, hit that, access that, and you can say hi to your friends, give us your insights, tell us what's going on in your, your world. Uh, we appreciate it. Thanks for doing that. Also, if you'd like to receive prayer, it's our, our privilege uh, to pray with you. So we have people available uh, to pray. So simply hit the prayer button and we'll pray with you today. So thanks, thanks be to God. And so on this day, let's, uh, let's settle in. Let's prepare to uh, worship God. Let's engage. Uh, let's celebrate God and enjoy each other this day. Let's worship. Your good. 
As we come to this time of prayer together, it is so good each week to be able to pray together. Prayer shapes us and the world around us and God is uh, with us in our praying. And today I invite us as, uh, as part of our human experiences living in this world every day is to be afraid of things. Uh, we know that that's again, part of our human condition. And yet the scripture tells us again and again to not be afraid. So how do we live in that space, in that space? Well, I invite us today to pray simply and sincerely. A prayer, it's called the prayer of uh, quiet confidence. It's a prayer, a common prayer from the book of uh, Common Prayer. And it uh, reminds us in these times when we will have fear that we can look to the scripture and look to prayer to remind us who God is, who God is, God's character, and that uh, God is with us and for us. And so we let's, let's read this together and then have a time of silence. Also remembering what God has done in the past. God is faithful. So I invite you to read with me this prayer. O God of peace, who teaches us that in returning and resting in you, we shall be saved in quietness and in confidence shall be our strength. By the might of your spirit, lift us, we pray, into your presence where we may be still and know you are God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, Amen. Thank you, Lord, for being our ever-present help in times of trouble we shall not fear. And Lord, now we pray together the prayer you taught us uh, long ago, but it is fresh this day. We pray in humility and confidence together in saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to this time of offering, 
It's a great privilege to give back to God out of all that God gives to us. God's character is to give and provide. And God loves us more than we can imagine. And our privilege is to give back a portion of what God gives to us. We give back for God's good and holy purposes. And we so thank you for your generosity that really matters. It matters, it impacts lives uh, in our community and world, and especially here on this campus of Schweitzer as well. We're excited about what's coming up this summer too. It's your gifts, your, your tithes and offerings are going to help create a new and fresh, revived experience here on this campus, especially again for kids and families. It's a, it's a family experience, so let's watch. Hi, I'm Stephanie. And I'm Taylor. Schweitzer Church has had a long tradition of excellent vacation Bible school programs. Year after year, the kids' ministry has pulled out all the stops into creating a fun and exciting week for the children of Schweitzer and the local community. This year, VBS is getting an exciting new refresh. Introducing Hometown Heroes Family Experience. Brought to you by Schweitzer Kids Ministry. A new name, a new time, and a whole new experience. This family experience will look at how Jesus rescues us through the lens of hometown heroes, such as firefighters, police officers, and healthcare workers. Join us June 13th through 15th from 6 to 8.30 p.m. and bring the whole family. There'll be music, games, crafts, Bible lessons, and more. We need lots of help to make this happen, so sign up to volunteer at schweitzer.church slash kids. We can't wait to see you there. Wow, it is so good to be able to connect as families in a new and fresh way. That is really good. And let's remember that each week we can continue to give to God through going to our link, schweitzer.church slash give. We so, so appreciate generosity. It really matters. Thanks so much. And now let's, uh, let's look forward as Spencer is going to uh, bring us the message. It's week four of God, Our Refuge. Uh, let's watch. Welcome today. My name is Spencer. I'm so glad that you're here and you've joined us today. This is going to be part four of our series called God, Our Refuge. Where we're spending five weeks exploring Psalm 46. It's not very long. It's only 11 verses. And these 11 verses are so rich and deep and encouraging. And so we're unpacking these themes that we see in Psalm 46 that teaches us about how we can trust God in everything we face. So let's read it. Here's how Psalm 46 goes. It says, God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. 
The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And so that's Psalm 46. Now, as we go through this series, instead of reading this kind of line by line, like we normally do in a lot of our series, instead we're looking at this in terms of five big themes that we see expressed that teach us about how God is faithful and we can trust him in absolutely everything. We can make him our refuge. And today what we're going to see is we're going to see this theme that if we're going to be people who live by faith, then we will not fear. We will not fear. Now that phrase, we will not fear, it comes straight from Psalm 46. Verse 2 says it like this. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. And then verse 3, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Now, I don't know if you're paying attention to that, but what I just read is terrible. I mean, Psalm 46, really the whole psalm, if you're paying attention to it, has a lot of terrible things in it. In verse 2 and 3, we read about the earth kind of collapsing in on of itself. And verse 6 talks about nations being in an uproar and there's wars and destructions and all kinds of things that take place. And so Psalm 46, really from start to finish, while it has this message about trusting God, there's also this other side of it that is all about these really bad things that happen or can happen. And, and, and that's... Part of the point here, because to trust God is to trust him um, when those bad things happen, right? We trust him when those things happen, not, not before they happen or when life is really good. We trust him in the midst of, of these bad things taking place. This is what it means to trust God. I mean, we just think about the start of verse two, how this goes. Like verse two, it lists all these terrible things that might happen, right? But it started with that line, we will not fear, though this happens and this happens and this happens. We will not fear though catastrophe and tragedy and destruction and all these terrible things might happen. Like this is the message we trust God even though these terrible things might happen. I've heard it said that Psalm 46 is a spiritual exercise in the opposite of positive thinking. <laughs> I love that. Psalm 46 is a spiritual exercise in the opposite of positive thinking. Because positive thinking is where we go when we are faced with catastrophe and tragedy and loss and grief and fear and the unknowns, all these kinds of things in life. And, and, and positive thinking is where we go because it makes us feel better. I mean, think about it. Your friend is sick. Your friend lost their job. Your friend has, has someone they love that they lost. And what do we do? We, we come in with positive thinking. We tell them things like, you know, you got to find the, the positive in life. Uh, you gotta, you gotta look on the bright side or look for the silver lining. Or sometimes maybe one of our friends is hurting and we kind of put a faith spin on one of those kinds of things. We might say something like, you know, everything happens for a, for a reason, which just a little free advice. Free be here for you today. That's a terrible thing to say. If your friend is hurting, don't say that. Just a terrible thing to say. They, they don't need to hear that in the midst of, of their loss and their hurt. But this is what we do. We, we gravitate towards the, the positive thinking because we think at it, it makes us feel better. But when you read Psalm 46, oh my goodness, it's like you're confronted with all of the bad things that could happen. I mean, Psalm 46, right? It's a spiritual exercise in the opposite of positive thinking. And it's almost like, it's almost like imagine what could happen. Now multiply it. That's Psalm 46. Multiply it. 
And, and even then, you're still going to say, we will not fear. We'll not, we will not fear. We're going to trust in the Lord and we will not fear. No matter what the catastrophe might be, no matter what the tragedy might be, no matter what the unknowns and the grief and the pain might be, we still will not fear. We'll make God our refuge and strength. Now, as I say that, and I understand this kind of dimension with positive thinking, how we gravitate towards that, I, I, I realize that you know, we need to have the honesty that we find in places like Psalm 46 because, because honestly, um, positive thinking sometimes just isn't enough to face some of the things that we face in life. So I say that, that, that line about how positive thinking isn't enough sometimes to face some things we face in life. That, that of course, reminds me of, of probably the example of this in the Bible, which is the book of Job. You know the story of Job? Job is a, is a man who suffers tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. And one of the things that we see with, with Job as the biblical example of this in the Bible is that positive thinking just simply isn't enough to deal with the tragedy he faces in life. Let me show you. So let's go to Job. And let's, let's look at Job in the kind of big picture view of his book. Job is 42 chapters long, so I'm not going to read all of it to you, obviously. But I want to show you kind of the scope of how his story goes. And as we go through the scope of his story, what I want you to see is how honest he is and also how he trusts in the Lord and, and also how positive thinking just isn't enough to answer the questions that he's asking about the tragedy that he faces. So let's go to Job. Job, we meet Job, Job chapter one, verse one, and here's how he's introduced to us. So it says this, in the land of Uz, there was a man named, whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. So everything we're going to read about Job here, those two things are incredibly important. He's blameless, he's upright, he fears God. This is who he is. So, so important. Verse two, he had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen and 500 donkeys and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. And so we're introduced to Job and he has everything. He's wealthy, he's blessed, he has this large family. And most importantly, he is upright, he is blameless, he fears God, and this is who Job is. Now, as we read through the, the first couple chapters of Job, his story gets really interesting. Because as we, after we're introduced to Job, uh, we start to hear a conversation between Satan and the Lord about Job. And so here's what, this, what Satan um, says to the Lord about Job, who's blameless and upright and blessed in all these ways. So this is Job chapter 1, verse 9. Satan says this, does Job fear God for nothing? In other words, because Job is so blessed and has so much prosperity and his life is going so well, this is why he fears God, so that these good things will continue in his life. And, and, and so the, the accusation here, of course, is that if you removed these blessings from Job, these good things from Job, well, he's going to curse God like everyone else. He's going to lose faith. He's going he's to wallow in his pity. He's going to do what everyone else does, but because the only reason he's upright and blameless, the only reason he follows the Lord, is because the benefit he gets from these blessings. Now, interestingly, uh, the word Satan in, in Hebrew, the original word Satan for Hebrew in, is a Hebrew word, and, and what it literally means is accuser. Satan is a Hebrew word. It means accuser. And that's exactly what Satan is doing here, is he's accusing Job of only following the Lord for the prosperity and the blessings that he brings to his life. 
And so as this uh, keeps going, though, um, so the Lord hears this accusation and the Lord allows Job to be afflicted with tragedy. And so here's how this tragedy goes. It's a lot of tragedy. Starting in chapter one, verse 13. It says, one day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby. And the Sabaeans attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. And then verse 16, while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. Then comes verse 17. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword and I'm the only one who's escaped to tell you. In verse 18, while he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them and they are dead and I'm the only one who's escaped to tell you. It's tragedy after tragedy after tragedy after tragedy and then Job himself is also afflicted with the disease. And so chapter one, verse uh, seven, just simply says it like this, that Job was afflicted with, quote, painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. So Job, blameless, upright, fears the Lord. He's accused of only doing this because of what, the, what he gets from the Lord. And now he's afflicted with tragedy after tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. And, and so far, we're only two chapters into a 42-chapter book. So there's a whole lot more that, that comes. And, and the rest of the book is really asking the question, well, why did these things happen? Why did these things happen? Why, why has he experienced so much tragedy in his life? Now, theologically, we have a word for this question, and the word is this, it's theodicy. And theodicy, it comes from two Greek words that are kind of smushed together to form a new word. And the two Greek words are, are God and righteousness or justice. And it's kind of like, almost like a little bit of a question. Like theodicy is a question, is like, is God righteous? Because sometimes what you experience in life, it makes you wonder, is God really righteous? Sometimes we lose the people we love. Sometimes we lose things in our life. Sometimes we lose and, and we grieve and we fear and we have pain and we're left wondering, why is this happening and is God actually righteous? And so the question really of Job is not so much why do these things happen, but in the midst of these things, is God truly righteous? And this is the question for the rest of the book of Job. Now, what happens in the book of Job is that, is that Job, he, he doesn't take a positive thinking kind of approach to his tragedy, right? He's not, he's not just trying to make himself feel better with platitudes and these kinds of things that just make him feel better because he, he's going to look on the bright side of life. Job, he's more of a Psalm 46 kind of guy. And as he takes and looks at his tragedy he's facing, he looks at it square in the face. I mean, he makes eye contact, doesn't flinch, and he is brutally honest about the pain and the suffering and the tragedy that he has, he has experienced. Let me show you some examples of how brutally honest Job is about the tragedy that he's faced. And so here's, here's a few examples. This is chapter three, uh, verses 25 and 26. Job says this. He says, what I feared has come upon me. 
What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. I mean, there's nothing there about looking on the bright side of things. That's brutally honest. Here's another example. This is um, chapter 6, verse 2. And chapter 6, verse 2 says this, Job again. He says, if only my anguish could be weighed and all my misery be placed on the scales. Or one, one more example, Job uh, chapter chapter 17. In Job chapter 17, verse 1, Job says this. He says, my spirit is broken. My days are cut short. The grave awaits me. I mean, these are some brutally honest things to say. I mean, brutally honest. There's no positive thinking here. This is a Psalm 46 kind of approach because, because positive thinking isn't enough to really deal with the tragedy that he's faced. Now, the reason Job is saying these things is because he's having a conversation with his friends. So really, Job chapter 3 through 38 is a series of conversations that Job has with his friends who's, who've come to comfort him in his, in his tragedy. His friends are doing the thing that friends are supposed to do. They come and they check in on him and they're trying to comfort him and bring him peace. Um, and as they start to have this conversation, Job is brutally honest with his friends about the tragedy he's faced. But his friends in this conversation, they end up just giving some just terrible advice. I mean, awful, awful advice. Really, these 35 chapters in the middle of Job are just like, here's what not to say when your friend is suffering. It's just terrible advice after terrible advice after terrible advice. Let me give you some examples of just the terrible things that they say. So Job chapter 4, um, verse 7 and 8. This is his friend Eliphaz. He's come to comfort him, to be with him, to give him peace. And in the middle of their conversation, he says this, consider now who, being innocent, has ever perished? Where were the upright ever destroyed? Now just think about the logic of that for one second. Where were the innocent ever perished, the upright ever destroyed? The logic of that is that if you are innocent, if you're blameless and upright, then good things are going to happen in your life. Conversely, if you've got bad things happening in your life, it must be because you're not blameless and upright, which is exactly what he says next. The very next verse, he says, As I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. So he looks at Job and he's like, Job, look at all this stuff that's going on. I mean, you're suffering, there's pain, you lost everything, your kids, oh my goodness, what'd you do? Seriously, Job, what'd you do? You had, you had to do something wrong, so, so what'd you do? What'd you do, Job? I mean, that's, that's the accusation here, is that he must have done something to deserve this. Um, here's another thing that the same friend says, this is chapter six, um, or chapter five, I'm sorry, chapter five, verse 17. He says this, blessed is the one whom God corrects. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. This one just makes me laugh. It's so absurd. His friend's like, Job, look at all the things that are going wrong with you. You're blessed. Oh my goodness, you've lost everything. You're blessed because this means the Lord is, is correcting you. I mean, this is just absolutely absurd. Job, you lost your kids. Oh my goodness, you're so blessed. It's so absurd to even say this. And this is just 35 chapters of bad, bad advice. Here's one more example. This is maybe the worst of all of them. Chapter eight, verse uh, three and four. This is a different friend, but he says this. Does God pervert justice? Does the Almighty pervert what is right? When your children sinned against him, he gave them over to the penalty of their sin. I mean, he's like, the death of your kids, it's, your, it's their fault. I mean, this is so terrible what he's, what he's saying. But as you read through these chapters, what you, what you come to see is that Job's friends have this view of suffering where 
if you are suffering, it is because you have deserved it. Now, the converse, of course, of that is if you have good things in your life, it's because you have deserved it. You know, a lot of us have this kind of thinking. Um, people call that sometimes karma, that this is, you know, you, you get what happens in your life. You bring it upon yourself. It's karma revisiting you. That's how a lot of people talk. And it's really what you see these friends expressing here as well. But that's not really what the Bible teaches. I mean, the biblical view as Christians that we hold is that God gives us grace, not karma. God gives us grace that we receive what we don't deserve, that we receive God's blessing despite of who we are, that God is good to us and we can trust him no matter what happens because we're not receiving the due penalty of our sin. That's what Jesus has received in himself. And so we see these friends for 38 chapters. They, they have this conversation, this terrible conversation. And, you're, and you read through it and you're left wondering, okay, so if this is what people say, what does the Lord say? Right? What, is the, what is the Lord's response to the tragedy and the suffering and, and the pain that Job has experienced? Really, that all of us experience. And, and here's finally, after all of these chapters, the Lord shows up and begins to speak to Job. And this is Job chapter 38. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. It's several chapters long. But I want to give you a sample, just a sample of what the Lord says to Job. This, this answer to this question of why am I suffering? Why am I going through this? And here's what the Lord says. Chapter 38, verse 1. This is probably my favorite verse in the whole book of Job. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. I love that. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Out of the storm. Right? Because the Lord is with Job in the storm. The Lord is not outside of the storm. He's not far away from the storm. He's right there in the midst of what Job is going through. And it's in the storm that Job hears the voice of the Lord. And here's what the Lord says. We're going to read just a few verses here. Verse 4. The Lord says to Job, Where were you? When I laid the earth's foundation, tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who scratched a measuring line across it? Skip to verse 12. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? Verse 16. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. And then the Lord says this, one more verse. He says, surely you know, for you were already born. You've lived so many years. And on and on and on, the, the, this conversation happens between the Lord and Job. And essentially what the Lord says to Job from out of the storm is this. The Lord says, I am the creator you are the created. That's the relationship. Like that's the answer to the, to the question of why is this happening? It's I am the creator and you are the created. And on one hand, oh my goodness, that answer is so unsatisfying because you want it to be more complete and full. But on the other hand, there's a strange sense of satisfaction that I get from this, that this is the answer the Lord gives. Because you know what? There are all kinds of things that happen in life. Things were, were, were just, things just fall apart altogether. And, and it's not my job to have an understanding of why all of this has happened. 
I am the created, I'm not the creator. I don't have to have a full grasp of why everything happens in life. I don't have to understand that. I don't have to get it. It just, it, it's, it's not how I have to live. And, and I find that strangely comforting because sometimes things happen that we have no answer for. I mean, I, I don't know why kids get sick. I don't know why violence occurs. I don't know why we lose our loved ones. I don't know these things, but I don't have to know these things. Instead, what I get to rest in is the knowledge that out of the storm, the Lord is still with me. And, and this is something that, that positive thinking could never really solve because you need something more than this. This is, this brings us back to Psalm 46. I mean, Psalm 46, it takes this honest view of all of the things that might happen in life and then multiply it and make it worse. And yet, even in that time, even then, we can still say we will not fear. And why we can say this is very simply because we know that in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the tragedy, in the midst of the pain, the suffering, whatever we go through, the Lord is still with us. And this is enough. You know, when you read the Bible, one of the most often, or really the most often repeated commands is do not fear. And a lot of times as you read the Bible and you read this phrase, do not fear, right alongside it is a second phrase where the Lord says, for I am with you. Genesis 26 verse 4 says it like this, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Isaiah 41 10, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Joshua chapter one, verse nine. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Deuteronomy 31, six. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Psalm 23, verse four, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And on and on and on the Bible goes with that exact same theme, that we don't have to live in fear because the Lord is with us and this is enough. You know, one of the things we've said in every week of the series is that the proof of God's faithfulness, his trustworthiness, his goodness is not the circumstances of our life. What I happen to be going through at any one day, that is not the proof of God's goodness, of his love, of his faithfulness, of his trustworthiness. Instead, we've said every other week in the series, the proof of God's trustworthiness, of his faithfulness, of his love, his goodness is what? It's the cross. It's what he's already done on our behalf. This is why we can trust him. Because we know that, that even when the worst that could possibly happen to us comes, and that is death, that we don't have to fear because of what Jesus has already done. That through his victory and the empty cross, what he's done on the cross for us and the empty grave, we can now come before him with confidence because we know as well through the cross that that he is with us. That whatever we face, we, we, we have this assurance that, that he is beside us, that he's for us and that he is with us. And, and this, this is enough. And when you, when you understand this and you can, you, can, you can rest in this truth that he is with us, there are gonna be always things that come at us that are, that are harder than what positive thinking can accomplish. These are things that cause deep questions within us. 
But no matter what we face, we can look at those things and say, even though that's happening, we will not fear. Right? Because we know that even in the midst of the storm, the Lord, He is with us. And that's enough. And when I can trust Him in the midst of the storm, I can look at anything and everything. And I don't have to sugarcoat it. I don't have to be afraid, though. And I can just simply say this. I can say, God is my refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Let's pray together. And so, Father, today, we hear this line from the psalm, Psalm 46, verse 2, we will not fear. And there are certainly things that come at all of us that are, that are deeper and harder to understand than we can possibly get to. But Lord Jesus, today, we want to put our faith, our trust in you and just claim the promise that you're with us to live into this, no matter what the storm might look like, no matter what questions we might have, no matter how maybe positive thinking doesn't quite get us to the place of comfort, but Lord, even in the midst of the storm, you're with us. And so even though bad things might come, and even though the earth might give way, and even though the, the mountains might roar and the seas might foam, even though these things happen, Lord, we will not fear because we know you're with us. And the proof of this, of course, is that you've already given your best for us and that your son Jesus has come and he's given himself for us. And so, Lord, today, we put our trust, our hope in you. For anyone who's with us today who, who senses uh, uh, just they're going through questions and they've got deep suffering in their life today, and we, we want to pray, Father, specifically for them, for a sense of encouragement and peace that could come in their life as we rest in the knowledge that you are the creator, that we are the created, and that we can trust you because we know you're with us. And so, Father, today we give you ourselves, we give you our life. We ask you, Lord, would you come and fill us again today that we might trust you in absolutely everything. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody, for being here today. It's been a great, great day of worship. We appreciate you. Special thanks, as always, to Stephanie for keeping us connected, to the worship team, to leading us into God's presence. Thanks so much. Spencer for the message, the encouragement uh, in times as, as humans, as we have fear, but yet God has more for us. Thanks again. And if you know anybody who can benefit from this message, and I think we probably all do, uh, share it on social media. We really appreciate you doing that as well. And so we'll see you back next week. It's uh, We'll wrap up the series, God Our Refuge. Uh, look forward to that and look forward to seeing you back next week. Have a great week. And one more thing, this is Jim's last week hosting the online services. He goes out into retirement. So give him some love in the comments. Thank you for watching. See you next week. Thanks, Coach. <laughs> I wonder what you were doing. You were, you were having me like, what's he doing? Because I'm so used to you like right yeah. there. That was great. Jesus, Jesus.
darkness trembled Jesus, Jesus You said in sweet Jesus, Jesus You make the darkness tremble Jesus, Jesus Call these bones to me these longs to see once again I praise Jesus, Jesus You make the darkness tremble Jesus, Jesus You silence me Jesus, Jesus You make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness true.